0: Welcome to the Friday edition of Unexpected Points. I have a special guest for this Friday edition. And we also have best bets for the week, preview of wild card weekend and Monday night. And then we're also going to put our heads together and solve the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to get them all fixed up and ready to go where it'll only take four or five years before they're going to be ready for playoff contention again. This is Unexpected Points. Let's get to it. right um i might have oversold the specialness of the guest. no offense to you ben but no uh, offense (laughs) offense. but you you were just here like on the other episode this week so but what i I think i'm going to do going forward i'll have ben come in periodically for these ones where we're fixing different teams but also maybe bring in an outside voice who actually knows these teams a little bit better than i do uh the specifics of them has been hemming and hawing all season long about what they could potentially do to turn things around but that Happens to be you for the Minnesota Vikings. Right. You are a suffering Vikings fan, despite the fact the Vikings have at least been competitive.
1: Uh, for, mean, for a while yeah. here. That is that is. I and I don't want to segue too much into the Vikings discussion. I guess. But yeah, like what? How do you measure competitiveness? And then like how do you actually uh, measure the job? Of a GM and how well they're actually performing, I do think are two interesting questions that not very many people are even uh, trying to answer right now, right? So, uh, yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. Uh,
0: people are not. I've seen – well, we have a list of guys that they're looking at, so we'll talk about that. So anyway, right. so we're going to backload that. I know that's, right, that's right. exciting stuff here people want to talk about. <laughs> Everyone's like Vikings, Vikings, Kirk Cousins, whatever, whatever we're going to dip? It's like universal, universal. Everyone cares about that going into wildcard weekend. So we'll backload that. Have you something to draw you in for the second half of, of the show? Uh, but first, before we get into wildcard weekend, uh the only real news I can talk I can talk about is the David Cully was fired and we had a pretty quick 180, 360 on the feelings here, where initially it was, you know, he's done a good job, they didn't give him a chance. Then uh, Schefter bomb came out with the fact that he was only guaranteed for two years and everyone said that was such a joke and you know you set up to fail and then another piece of information came out I'm not sure who it was dropped this uh, last one to end up getting spread sometimes it was the same people spreading spreading one right, and the other right, it says right. in fact he's gonna be getting paid for the next three years so 22 million dollars in total for one year of work so Everyone had to, had to quickly pivot to outrage about something else after this is done. But $22 million, one year of work, 66 years old now. Sounds like a generous, sounds like a nice retirement package. And I know some people were going to be mad about the t- potential two-year deal. That would have actually seemed kind of smart to me for the fact that we all thought the guy was going to be let go after a year anyway. I'm questioning the uh, financial management and, like, I want to say, can these guys balance their checking account after a while here? If you're just giving out $22 million for a year of David Culley to get what you knew was going to be between two and five wins.
1: Right. I mean, it, that that's basically it, right? Uh, obviously, people kind of uh, didn't like the hire initially. Uh, I guess it makes even less sense now because he did probably exceed... Uh, at least it came close to exceeding betting market expectations, right? Which is really, uh, if you're going to judge the guy in any sort of manner, when he was expected to go what three and three and fourteen or something like that, I think that is probably a safe. Uh, Judge of how well he actually performed, but yeah, it seems like a complete disaster. I have not, you know, had any faith whatsoever in Houston's organizational structure or management here over the last couple years, and I just think this is uh, kind of another nail in that coffin. So maybe they're getting Brian Flores. It seems like the timing and all that. uh, Where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe that's how it's all going to go. Well, Gerard Uh, Mayo finally gets his guy, right? Is it okay, Gerard Mayo
0: from from the from the from New England, from New England, from the Patriots, which of course you know New England South, they'll try to build right, because right. New England. Um, I guess Detroit's not really Midwest, is it? But I was gonna say New England. Uh, you know, D- Detroit, Motown, New England, that works so well with Bob Quinn from uh, from the Patriots, and then bringing in Matt Patricia there. Uh, and, of course, you know, there's just corpses littered all throughout the NFL of former right. Belichick head coaches there. Maybe it'll work there. I-, I think the Flores thing, which is interesting, and I think a reason why he may not have as much uh, pickup as some people Market, think he's going to yeah. have in a lot of places is – you know, he, maybe he's just, like, kind of a pain in the ass, right? Uh, right he right. seems to be, an impo- like, he, or he wants to control things here. And you have Casario, you have, you know, Easterby in the background, you know, uh, like Dr. Evil in the background trying to figure out what's going on here and controlling things. Do they really want to bring someone in where they're going to have to see that much control to him? Maybe they bring in someone like Jordan Mayo, someone who's not on the tip of the tongue when it comes to head right, coaching positions. Right. Maybe they can bring him in and, you know, be comfortable with the fact that the power share can
1: stay mostly on their side. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that's kind of how they set it up in, you know, David Collie's right. first year as well. He sounds like he was basically uh, nothing more than really a yes man. Uh, that does seem to be at least some what they're after. Obviously they want to bring in some name recognition or a guy that can actually uh, maybe motivate the players in a little bit more of a way. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, Flores sounds like he would probably be butting heads with the Texans brass Uh, as quickly as possible, so I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the right hire. It is... It is, it is interesting the time of, yeah, maybe it is just a Jared Mayo thing. I don't notice, I don't necessarily think, Uh, you know, like you said, Patriots of the South is really going to work out all that well unless that is kind of where uh, Bill Belichick decides to retire or something like that in any <laughs> yeah. other capacity. I don't really think there's going to be any maybe. way that the Texans are successful trying to bring in uh, half the brass from New England or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, so. you
0: know, everyone's going to Austin with their NFTs and their right, uh, Bitcoin. Right, so maybe right. Bill will be there. Another little thing, David Culley, hey, no, no, no state tax there in Texas. Right, so, hey, you can't beat that. Keep, Twenty-two million. Keep, keep, keep collecting, them checks, check. collecting them checks. Collecting them checks. One thing I'll push back. I mean, congratulations to to Cully. But I had I have had some people where the reaction was if this guy like like he almost made the playoffs or something. Like, right. is there something big? I had people using the word. I saw multiple times the word vastly outperformed okay they had four wins two against the jaguars okay like that that's
1: that's the only thing they did why the only reason why they even like came close to their win total right yeah to i mean the win total the fluctuated twice, between so.
0: like four and five ish sort of yeah. wins and they got four and if you look at the games other games that they did win like when they beat the the titans The Titans outgained them by 225 yards in that game. Even when they beat the Patriots, they were just like bomb plays to Chris Conley and Chris Moore and all these guys. Like, it was ridiculous sort of sort of plays. But, you know, they stayed in it. They got more wins than a couple of teams. So I guess that makes them look good. And in point differential, they were were better than Jaguars and better than the Jets in point differential. So, you know, it wasn't a total disaster. I'll give you that. Um, but vast outperformance may be a little bit of an overstatement there. So congratulations right. to, to Mr. Cully. A- enjoy your time in the in the sunset and uh, you know, rest in power, David Cully.
1: If only we could all be as lucky as you, <laughs> right? To be yeah. the yes man for 22. Yeah, minutes,
0: I'm I'm so. willing to take uh, just two million Dianized if you want to so do that right? to be to be a yes man <laughs> and then take three years off of my of my career. Uh, Before we get to the weekend's action, our thoughts about the bets here, I want to quickly discuss the fact that you can get a 25% off subscription PFF with promo code unexpected show the bosses that you not only enjoy the pod, but you want to get in on that draft and free agency season that is coming Uh, I put out a couple articles this week on the most valuable non-quarterback offensive player, the most valuable defensive player that's locked content that you can get 25% off with promo code PFF. Lots of stuff that Ben is putting out there every single week, whether it be DFS or betting content, you can get now uh, 25% off with promo code unexpected. So I want you to check that out. Uh, All right, so let's get into the weekend. Maybe we'll just highlight some... You know newsish sort of things that have come out, which has not been a lot. It seems like right. teams are actually fairly healthy. You see a lot of players coming back there, so I guess that is probably where I will start now, the teams that have the most players coming back are, are ones that aren't even playing this weekend, so it's not a big factor here. but go thinking about it now for wild card weekend, when you're building in your modeling for this game, what all is going into it i mean i have i'll just I'll just talk quickly what I have because I have. My power rankings that I'm deriving based upon how well the teams have played, some prior in it, a very tiny, tiny bit of prior for the team, and then quarterback ratings are built into that. And I'm trying not to adjust too much based upon two different factors. One being like who's coming back necessarily the pieces outside of the quarterback. I'm trying to adjust too much based upon that. And the second thing being these teams that had didn't have a buy, but they maybe had a de facto type of buy, like the Philadelphia Eagles or the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, how do you think about those things? Because people are starting to make a big deal about the late Sunday finish in overtime for the Raiders versus the Bengals who just didn't play most of their high level starters, including Joe Burrow. Um, how, how do you think about that? Because the betting markets seem to be buying into, and so were my numbers to start the week, seem to be buying into the Raiders where that line has moved from, I don't know what it opened at, something like six and a half down to yeah, as much as four it, and I've a half. Six.
1: Yeah, yeah. So six and a half in a couple spots when it first opened up, basically kind of Monday, early morning, even late Sunday at night. So, uh, definitely moving in the Raiders direction. I do think FanDuel is basically the only spot four and a half right now. You do still see some, you know, five and a halfs clinging out there. So it is kind of interesting that this is the one game where the market, uh, does have a pretty wide, uh, distribution of current spreads that we're looking at right now. And I do think some of that, uh, is kind of what you touched on this, re- this idea of rest. Uh, and you know who obviously has the advantage there. Not only is it you know the Raiders have to play on Sunday night; they have to travel back cross country, play Cincinnati in like the early early slate on Saturday. One of the earliest slates that you're going to see uh, from an NFL football perspective. So uh, definitely, I would say should influence at least your idea of how these teams are actually going to perform uh again there's also some other narratives surrounding this particular matchup uh you know Derek Carr's performance in the cold weather we got Joe Burrow how he handles pressure specifically pressure when there isn't a blitz uh situation so uh kind of do you buy into uh the Bengals where you know for all intents and purposes they're basically at their top Las Vegas I would also say is Uh, in a similar boat. I do think that they have greatly seeded expectations. They've kind of become almost a team that a lot of people, especially public bettors, do want to back. So uh, I was inclined early to lean Las Vegas. I do think that this is a spot where I really like the under 49 point total and I don't have a really strong uh, preference on like a spread of minus five right now. It's basically uh, kind of how I'm seeing it from my model's perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest factor that goes into this, and the reason that why some people may be a little bit surprised by the movement towards uh, backing the Raiders is, you know, what people's models are telling them probably, or people are betting this, or, or what it's telling them, it's the same thing that my— That that my numbers say, when I do like a team strength number based upon my adjusted scores and the point differentials, and then I make an adjustment for quality of opponent, I give like 60, 40 weighting to offense versus defense. The the Bengals come up with like as being like a league average type of team. And a lot of people probably don't see them as that. And the Raiders are below league average-ish sort of team, but not so much further to justify any sort of wide spread. I mean, if we're talking about a home field advantage, getting you maybe a point and a half, two points in this type of environment where it's shrinking more and more, if you want to add on... Uh, another point or two for rest, something like that. We're still getting out to as much, if you see these teams as being equal, as being, you know, three and a half, four points. So that I think that's why it's settling maybe at four and a half, five points is because maybe there's only a point, point and a half difference between these teams on a neutral field right now where people are talking about Joe Burrow being the MVP of the league and Jamar Chase being the offensive player, offensive rookie of the year and T Higgins being this emerging type of option. I just feel like the narratives around the Bengals are not really matching up with what the hard numbers are telling people. And presumably they saw some sharp bettors put their money where their models were early and that's what
1: has moved it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so we have the Bengals basically 11th overall on our, you know, ELO rankings from PFF.com and the Raiders are 16th, right? So not, not a really wide distribution. I, mean, I think it gets, a lot it gets of people bunched
0: up when you're in the middle, right? Right. When you're in the middle really, when...
1: really bunched up when you're in the middle, right? And I do think a lot of people have this uh, idea or mentality that the Bengals are uh, a top five team in the NFL right now, and I just don't think that is the case whatsoever. If you're actually doing any sort of power ratings calculation or modeling to kind of you know jive that out, it just has been somewhat unsustainable uh, production, especially on some deep passes to Jamar Chase that have been really successful. Of course, you know Joe Burrow has been really accurate has been able to make those throws uh, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the most sustainable path forward for them, so I think that's why uh, there's a little bit of a deep disagreement between all power rankings uh, and maybe what the general public believes for how good the Bengals actually are, but I think you hit the nail on the head. We are seeing, you know, some home field advantage factors folded back in, especially in 2021. I do think in a spot like Cincinnati in the playoffs, two, two and a half points, uh, another point and a half basically for uh, the rest differential and then you're looking at really, you know, like you said a point, point and a half, uh, kind of separating these two teams from a power rankings perspective. And I do think that's probably a a very fair number moving across from six and a half to five and a half, because obviously six is a pretty important key number here, especially someone that we've seen uh, matter... Uh, significantly more so now that they kind of adjusted the one point two uh, point conversion distances. So uh, I agree with you. I do think five and a half though is uh, is, is a tough spot to bet from. Yeah. I would say either side in a lot of ways. I do think if you're looking at a five and a half now, I'm leaning more towards almost a play with the Raiders on the money line. Uh, kind of moving down to three and a half or something like that. That's kind of how I would play with it. But uh, 49, I think it's going to be a lot of points in the game that I just don't see uh, as much offensive production and somewhat based on uh, factors that we've already talked about. Also, just uh, the Raiders' ability to potentially uh, get some pressure on Joe Burrow, make him uncomfortable, some drive stall stall out early on, and there's just no chance that we get over that number.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like for the numbers here as far as the success rate offensively versus – the efficiency on EPA per play. I mean, I'm looking down here. We're going back one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think it's been nine games since their percentile for success rate has been higher than their percentile for efficiency. So, Every like all these games, they're doing it. So that might make you think that there's a consistency to it. But then again, there were a handful of games in the front half of the season where the opposite happened, where they were successful, but they had turnovers. Burrow, you know, he was like leading the NFL in turnovers at one, interceptions at one point in time. And that's kind of flipped around. So people, there's obviously always a possibility that that can flip back in the other direction. And I think that's really the theme is the Bengals being, people being a little more skeptical of the Bengals than the hype surrounding them at this point. Uh the next yeah. game I want to talk about well it depends. Do we want to go in order here of what's gonna of what's gonna happen? We gotta we go in order.
1: Gotta okay. go in order. Gotta okay, so,
0: order, so what is it? I guess is it Buffalo, New England that Saturday
1: night? Buffalo, right? New England Saturday night game in the cold, ten degree weather, no real wind to speak of here. We got a four point spread for Buffalo. I think it's like a forty four point total. So yeah. what what are you seeing from a modeling? I,
0: I got I got nothing. I got nothing. But the one thing that nothing. I'll point out about this dynamic and again like how we feel about these two teams i will just i'll just point out you know we have some evidence going back for the fact that these two two teams have played each other three times over the course of the last several weeks so we had new england in buffalo two and a half points i think that was pretty solidly there even just like before we knew that it was going to be a total shit show when it came to the weather. Right, so it was, it was right. right around that sort of thing, Buffalo two and a half. So again, so now we're now we're out to four. So we, we've seen where it's moved since then. Again, when you flip it over and you go back to the bills in new England, it was about two and a half points. So I think at that point in time, that new England game where Buffalo came in and won that game, I think that shifted a lot of people's perceptions on these teams. Jones had beat up on some shitty competition as he's done a few times this year and put up some big numbers. But again, the, the, the the gleam is off of him a little bit for the fact that he's had four of his five worst graded games in the, in the last handful of games here um, that he's had. So for me, this is just an appropriate number here. Like if it was two and a half, like it was before I was a little bit higher on the bills at that point in time, I would be on the bills here. If it was, You know, if we're getting way beyond four again, if we're getting up above five or getting closer to six, then I would be on the Patriots. But it's kind of like my opinion on these two teams hasn't changed that much since the first time they matched up against each other. It's really just the market has come back into line with where I was at that point, because I, you know, I I think one of my best bets were the the bills in that first matchup that they had at home versus the, the Patriots.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I bet the Bills as well at minus two and a half against that. You know, the Patriots game, and it was just a complete disaster. Painful, so, uh, painful to say the least. I mean, it's it's one of those spots in the market basically, um, you know, it was a total game for sure in yeah. a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I I I do not like the spot really whatsoever for New England. I do know that you know PFF Green Line uh, does have a lean strongly in the Patriots direction on both the spread and the money line. I I just don't think that uh, New England really matches up that well. I do think, you know, Josh Allen, although he's been somewhat inconsistent at certain points throughout the 2021 season, I do still think he is, you know... Top three to five best quarterback in the NFL. I don't think Mac Jones is anywhere close to that. He's been hidden in a lot of uh, stretches through this 2021 season. Obviously, really good offensive line making things easy for him. Um, but I do think that the Bills' or defense, especially, is going to cause him a lot of problems. I do think that uh, Josh Allen's not going to have too much difficulty putting up points against uh, the Patriots. So I do expect this one uh, maybe to be a little bit more of a blowout than what you know the betting market is projecting. I don't really have a bet on it right now uh, at. Minus four, I was hoping to, you know, when it was at three and a half, I was hoping we could maybe move it down to three or something like that, and then I would really be buying into the Bills. But haven't really seen that movement too much yet, so it might be a spot where I'm looking more in-game if the Patriots get up early. But, yeah, I don't I don't love uh, the Patriots' side, so I'm more in a wait-and-see approach on this matchup.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the game that the Bills won in New England, I mean, defensively, right. this, this Bills defense has been better against the pass than it's been against the run it's basically been the best defense in the nfl against the pass which has really driven why they're so high up and by epa per play they're number one um also and then number one against the pass and then against the run it's not that far down but you can't really run on a team that much if you are down and the bills have put, put it on a few teams here. And again, that was a game against new England where Matt Jones did a credible job of trying to bring them back, passing the ball. But I think that's really going to be the key is who, who swings it in, in that direction. So you have two different things that can happen. Number one, if the bills get a, if the, if the Patriots get a big play or something where they, where they, they can get a score early, I think that's going to be important for them. Number two, if Josh Allen gives them short fields by turning over the right. ball, that's going to be the other important thing. So again, I, I just feel like this is fair. I can't, I mean, I think it's a bad matchup for the Patriots, but there are enough things that can go wrong for the bills here that I wouldn't want to go ahead and lay three, lay the three and a half, go all the way up to four and, and then do it at this point. It's just a little, a little right. too much for me. Right, um, right. Okay. So the Saturday early game, I believe is Dallas, San
1: Francisco. Is that right? So we got, we got Philadelphia. Um, oh, sorry. Philadelphia. Tampa, Tampa Bay is the early, early oh, right, right.
0: Da, yeah, Dallas, Dallas always gets more love. So yeah, Philadelphia, yeah. Tampa Bay. Again, I don't have anything on this because I have the Patriots. I still have, I mean, not the Patriots. <laughs> I was thinking Tom Brady. I still have the Bucks as being the best team in the NFL by these numbers, I know you want to make a lot of adjustments. And I know people have cooled on them. I know that the wide receiver core has been hollowed out. Um, but for that reason, even at eight and a half, I don't really sense that much value. The, the news on this one, and I don't really know which way it'll, it'll play it, but the news on this one is the fact that we're talking about 20, 30 mile per hour winds and rain and what that means for this game, where you think that would help the eagles or at the very least it would help whoever is a substantial underdog in tightening up the game but i don't know if we can even be certain of that
1: yeah i mean i do think that is the correct approach if you do think the weather is going to be as bad as what some reports are indicating right now uh the other question based in this match i know you talked a little bit about it earlier but this the buccaneers seem to be that one team that is kind of getting uh, some guys back and healthy, potentially, especially along the defensive front. Uh, front four, front seven, if Devontae David ends up playing, it sounds like he's returned to practice, Jason Pierre-Paul, as well. So, these are this is the one team that is healthy or getting healthier outside of the teams that have a bye here. So, I do think that that will help them match up against the Eagles a little bit more of that run-pass option with Jalen Hurts, uh, if David's actually able to play. The question is you know, is he going to be a full go or not? But I agree with you. I do think the Eagles... Make the most sense at plus eight and a half if you're looking to get involved with anything on the spread. Uh, one reason is the weather. The other reason is I do think that Jalen Hurts, especially on early downs, is going to be able to take some take advantage uh, of uh, Buccaneers defense that we have ranked uh, you know 11th overall. I do think name recognition a little bit more than anything else is the reason why they are so high right now. Obviously, people really like them uh, against the run, but I think you know Jalen Hurts is more that dual threat running a quarterback should be able to uh, probably be successful. On the ground a little bit. So I like the Eagles here, maybe a little bit uh, in relation to the weather. I definitely think that helps them. uh, If, you know, Tom Brady isn't necessarily able to make every single throw to his banged up receiving court. Uh, if that game slows down a little bit, if they have to be, you know, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones show, I do think that plays into uh, an Eagles cover and maybe maybe is the recipe for them potentially winning out right here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's one of these kind of like gun to my head type of situation. Right. I'm I'm going Eagles but uh, not confident enough to decide to do to that to lay without. it down yeah not, not really right. confident up here okay so let's move on to the cowboys and the 49ers the
1: the line here is three some three to, and I'm a half be, i think some three yeah I'm three, three and three and a half still out there right yeah yeah there's a few three and a halves popping up now it looks like um a little okay. bit later in the week i do think it was a consensus of three earlier we we have a little bit of three and a half mixed in with but there's definitely some threes available as well
0: Okay, so the question here is again, this is the one where the market is recognizing anything that may have seemed to be a little off, meaning like maybe if you went, you know, walked down the street and you asked a hundred people, well actually they wouldn't even know a hundred people, but if you if you ask on like your average fans about this, they might expect it to be wider than three, I would think. Right. Uh with Dallas being a team that who until a couple of weeks ago was in contention for the number one seed and San Francisco was a team that needed by the skin of their teeth just to get in to the playoffs and you have Jimmy Garoppolo the hated one uh who is who's the quarterback there and now he you know and now you're talking about a game that's not quite a coin toss but at three points it's pretty pretty close so I don't know like I feel like Going into this, if I didn't know what the line was going to be, I would suspect it would be higher, and then I would love to to jump on San Francisco, because I've been a San Francisco backer, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of the Bill situation here, where the markets come to me at this point, and if anything, I could maybe start to flip over towards Dallas a bit here, um, maybe at three, but geez, if it really got down to two and a half, and I think it did for a smidge in a couple of places, if it got down to two and a half, did that it? would be incredible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was looking for two and a half for a while, especially when it opened up at three. I would love Dallas uh, at two and a half, but I, I I'm in agreement with you. I do think that 49ers just seem overvalued by the betting market. I think part of it is you know the Kyle Shanahan love. Part of it is you know Jimmy Garoppolo has played really well, especially from an EPA perspective. But um, you know Debo Samuel, obviously you know fantasy fantasy you know love fest. Trent Williams George back Keele MVP a, candidate. Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Has Trent has Williams NBA, at least Offensive Player of the Year <laughs> candidate, right? I mean, come on. I'm like,
0: joking about the MVP he did, he, thing, but PFF he did, loves He did pretty so good in your
1: plus-minus. Yeah, didn't he do really well in your plus-minus, I guess, he outside did. of He Cooper did. Cullough's. I mean, he missed a couple of games, so he's up there.
0: But you know what? Right. Uh, Tyron Smith, talking about he actually, on a per-game basis, I think he was about the same as Was he uh, really? As Trent Williams. But he only played 11 games this year. So right. he's, uh, he's he's back. He's healthy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Again, this is something where keep I'd be have my eyes peeled for a two and a half. But even if this got to three and a half, I say, you know, like you said, it's still three and a half in some places. Like I can't, I can't bet the forty ers can't touch three it, and a right, half. Yeah. So I mean, this is
1: a spot to take advantage of in game, right? Like, yeah, people wait all week to uh, to potentially get these numbers here. I do think if you know 49ers get the ball early or get the ball first end up having a scoring drive there we're going to see dallas basically move below you know two two and a half maybe even lower at one and a half if san francisco puts up an early touchdown so that's where i am definitely targeting here but uh what do you think about the 51 point total i feel like that's you know moved up a little bit here i'm not sure exactly with you know overall league wide trends scoring being down if uh the under is the correct player or not but um i do think that at some point we're going to see dallas's offense potentially turn it on uh Pretty significantly here is my, yeah, my, I mean, my, I, my again, again,
0: I don't really have anything on that one. I think it's a fair number. I mean, I think that you could like if this was two thousand and twenty, then obviously like everything would be inflated. <laughs> We're talking about right. a game that's in Dallas, so there's no weather concern. So we would probably see something in the low to mid fifties, but we just, you know, we just aren't seeing it this year. And the Cowboys offense, despite being pretty good on a success rate basis, it's just not been able to juice that efficiency. Um, I think they have fewer. Although I do think they maybe maybe they're due for some bigger plays. But I do think if you look at like Zeke eating up a bunch of carries, you look at guys like CD Lamb, guys like Amari Cooper. Cooper's probably like their. Big play-ish sort of threat there, and he just hasn't been doing it so far this year. Michael Gallup would have been another guy who was a big play sort of threat, but the reality is when you're when you're two top guys who are going to be accumulating the most touches are Ceedee Lamb and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. They they kind of give you a little bit lower of a upside and a higher success rate type of offense, and that's what they've had. That's
1: what they've had this season. Right, definitely. I do think losing Gallup uh, shifts things around for this offense. Uh, quite significantly. I do think Cedric will, people say, you know, Cedric Wilson Is basically just slot in there. C- Cedric Wilson killing. <laughs> he is killing, but yeah, so that, like what happens basically is CeeDee Lamb kind of shifts from, you know, that role that we, right. you were just talking about. In the slot uh, to mainly be an outside. I think he was like in the slot on 60% of his offensive snaps. When Gallup is in the lineup, with Gallup out of the lineup, he's basically running a route on 85% of his routes outside. So definitely shift some things. He has graded better on the outside versus in the slot. So maybe that helps Dallas offense a little bit. But uh, I'm inclined to lean more in the direction that uh, you know Lamb is you know like you said from a success rate standpoint, really productive in that slot position. Opening things up wide with Michael Gallup uh, is a much better Cowboys offense than what they have right now. So, so yeah. we'll see. I had I had the Cowboys as kind of the trendy, my trendy Super Bowl pick. I think maybe they're just a little bit overvalued, uh, like always uh, in a lot of ways. So maybe if we see a top end offense performance from them, maybe that's a spot to then buy into. But I think it's uh, definitely a wait and see approach. Yeah, I mean,
0: ready. of of the teams that I consider to have real like high end potential, there's right. certainly the least positive sentiment around them right now as opposed to okay, other teams yeah. whether it be the Packers, well maybe the Bucks kind of fill in that a little bit but I think even compared to the Bucks Pack. whether it be the Packers the Chiefs the uh, Bills, the Bills the people yeah. are pretty excited about all of those teams are relatively excited about those teams going into the playoffs okay let's now get to Sunday night and the Chiefs and Steelers, Steelers showing the power of their fan base, putting this um, sacrificial killing into prime time Twelve and a half. Right? Uh, even Big Ben is betting on the the Chiefs, I believe, from how he was talking about. It. He said they had right? no chance. He said they have no chance. So I think he's just going money line Chiefs putting his entire <laughs> year's salary entire game check on right, <laughs> so your salary on that. Now, my numbers like lean a little bit towards the Steelers because, like, how can you get a number big enough to to go towards the Chiefs, despite the fact that I see the Steelers as being a pretty well below average team right here? It's just the Chiefs and these other high-end teams have not been high-end enough to justify, you know, 13 points. Um, So if you wanted to, you know, plug your nose and put something down on the Steelers I think that's probably the way to go despite how ugly that last matchup was and the fact that you could be writing off writing that off tax write off you could have before halftime but that's the only way that I can go on this
1: yeah I'm not I'm not even going there right I do I, I I I made it a point to not Back, Big Ben, I think like a year and a half ago, basically right along there, like nine, you know, when they were like eight and 0 or nine and 0 or something. I was like, you know what? Enough's enough. They're fraudulent enough. I just can't do it anymore. And I don't think I've backed them since then. So even though they might be the correct slash sharp side here, uh, with Big Ben not even believing it and nobody else basically believing it neither, I'm just... I'm just going to watch in anticipation, hopefully, grind out some patch Mahomes over 2.5 passing touchdowns or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm sure.
0: I was going to say, Big Ben rushing. To-
1: <laughs> Maybe 0.5. <he's laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he's got, it's the only thing he's got to play for, right? I mean, yeah,
0: is- uh, kneel downs. You're not going <laughs> to get those kneel yeah. downs at the end. So uh, you don't have to worry about that. Okay, let's get to Monday night now. Uh, the first, the inaugural Monday night football matchup of the Rams, Cards, uh four points, it looks like here. Have we seen anything else on this? Um, are you seeing anything else out there? Oh, actually, five, I see. You see a, i see a
1: three and a half at FanDuel's. Um, oh, maybe I don't see kind a five of actually, on the other I mentioned it, yeah, right. I don't, Three and a half. I don't see a five. Yeah. Okay,
0: my here's my thought on this. My thought on this is like at three and a half, gun to my head, I could go Rams on this one. I think the Rams are a better team uh than the Cardinals. And the offense for the Cardinals, it started off really good to start the season. I think it's kind of faded back into the trouble that we saw in previous years for what they had done. And the defense, we talked about this a little bit in our wrap up just hasn't been that great recently. I mean, they got a scoop and score to start the game and they still got handled pretty easily by the Seahawks last week. And I still right. think the Rams are, I think the Rams are like a really good team. I know that mass Stafford loves, you know, spotting seven to the other team with a pick six, but that's not, you know, I think what we see in the second half of the season from Stafford is not sustainable, meaning it's going to regress towards fewer turnovers. I think what we saw in the first half was clearly not sustainable. So I think if we get somewhere in between Stafford, somewhere in between uh, Rams offense, we get a Rams defense, which is still loaded with talent. I feel like they can handle things. Um, and yeah, I mean, I- I that, mean the Cardinals have taken it, right? advantage. Yeah, I mean and the Cardinals, Cardinals haven't like, Are like, they they have taken advantage fans? of those. They don't even have fans. They not Is the right. Red Sea? Is the Red Sea coming <laughs> to uh, to LA for this game? It's gonna be a quiet sea. It's gonna
1: be a quiet yeah. sea. No, I don't think I don't think they'll travel that well. Like you said, uh, you know the Cardinals haven't necessarily taken advantage of those turnover situations, especially you know last week against Seattle. So even if Stafford has one of his patented Staff, Stafford throws, who's to say they're they're gonna be uh, in line to take advantage of it? But yeah, four. I mean this is this is. You know, kind of goes back to like how they're actually coming up with this number sort of thing. We have uh, you know, the Rams is the fifth best team in our Elo rankings, Cardinals twelfth best, so there is yeah. a little bit wider of a discrepancy if there was a, some whole field right? advantage. That's huge. Yeah. You think about, that like, is a pretty they, big dri- yeah Right. We especially if you look at like the distribution of those, you know, rankings in relation to like how muddled they are, like you said, in the middle, more so on the extremes. I think the Rams are basically like that cutoff of like an extreme that has you know much higher than the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth ranked teams. So um, I agree with you, but yeah, it does seem to be just a little bit short. If you do think the Rams have any sort of home field advantage, uh, not really any other factors, but uh, the Cardinals, you know, with Antoine Wesley out there running, you know, routes for Kyler Murray running around in the backfield, it just is not gonna match up well against. A rams defense that should be able to kind of you know lock them down so i'm with you i think the rams are the only play here at three and a half and four um we'll see how things shake out for the cardinals but
0: yeah yeah so so here's here's my here's my take i'll let you have your take after so my take is i think the rams even at four but i see there's a three and a half at FanDuel, but it's minus 115 um so i think the rams three and a half four would probably be my favorite then the Raiders, if you can get them at like five and a half or whatever it's you can get at five and a half a couple places now and then maybe plug your nose in Steelers but that's that that's questionable at best uh as far as as far as my 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 picks here what what what, what, what do you want to wrap up with
1: I mean I want to go I want I want Raiders Cincinnati under 49 I think okay. for my favorite bet I also like Philadelphia plus eight and a half uh quite a bit as well I think those two are my favorite and I'd be inclined to maybe lean on Dallas even at minus three. I'm definitely looking for some minus two and a halfs in game, but uh, those are my three uh, full on senders here in the wild card round, I will say.
0: So, all right, all right. Print it, book it. Uh, print pay, it. Off, pay off. We'll uh, see what happens here on Tuesdays. Pay up your, so. your debts with that one. And uh, before we get into solving the Minnesota Vikings, which we will do soon, let's solve your, your grooming problems. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your grooming issues <laughs> cheers to 2022 and resolutions that you can actually keep how about having clean and shiny balls all year round at our sponsors Man- Manscaped, manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make there's a lot of ball in here and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever set your first new year's resolution with good intentions and join the four million men worldwide who trust manscaped with our exclusive offer, go to manscape.com. Use twenty use promo code PFF twenty percent off and free shipping. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscape. With our exclusive offer, go to manscape.com and use code PFF for twenty percent off and free shipping. That's twenty percent off and free shipping. Code PFF at manscape.com. It's New Year, New Year, no pubes. This, we're still we're still hitting that. There we In go. Twenty twenty two, manscaped. <laughs> And you just heard about a lot of places, a lot of bets that you could potentially make. Well, how about DraftKings? The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56-1 to 1 odds on any wild card team to win their game. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. <laughs> if the Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet... You still have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes, daily fantasy contests. There's a Saturday slate. There's a Sunday slate. There's a showdown on Monday night. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF and get 56-1 to odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF this weekend. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wagered. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's go ahead and knock out the last one here. Western and Southern want a chance to start to have the ultimate game day feast. Whether it's football success or financial savvy, winning starts with asking us questions. Would you like to know what it's like behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very young Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Every submission earns you a chance to win the ultimate feast to celebrate football's favorite Sunday. We'll cover your catering up to $2,500, coordinate your order from a restaurant near you, and have it delivered on delivered on February thirteenth, twenty 2022. And don't forget to check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernandsouthern.com. Slash feast. Chris has been knocked out of here. Well, that's one more time. That's com slash feast. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. And remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. All right, my man. You are now in charge of football <laughs> operations for the Minnesota Vikings. So, Mike Zimmer is gone. Uh, Spielman is gone. Nick Spielman is gone. God. And... Is
1: Kirk Cousins gone?
0: Kirk Cousins is there. (laughs) This is real time. And you have a list of GMs that you are going to interview um, that I have in front of me here, supposedly. And I don't think they have any official coaching uh, hires, but let's start with GM and coaches. Okay? And Of course, this is going to apply to some other teams here. So, the, the, according to Ben Gosling, a uh, beat writer with the Star Tribune, there are eight candidates the Vikings have requested to interview for their GM job. That is a couple of candidates from the Browns, Kwezi Odofomensa, uh Glenn Cook, who's the head of their personnel there with the Browns, Brandon Brown from the Eagles, who I believe is also, like, the head personnel director. guy. Yeah, uh, personnel. Catherine, I don't know her name, is Reich? maybe right uh, with yeah. the Eagles. Uh, she was the first assistant GM and the CFL. She also did some work from the XFL on player personnel. She's been with the Eagles for, I think a year or two, not that long here. Uh, Monty Austin Ford from the Titans, Ryan polls from the chiefs. Who's kind of like the number two guy, at the chiefs, John spy from the Buccaneers and Elliot Wolf from the Patriots. Elliot Wolf has been around. Um, right uh famous uh he's from ron uh, wolf's
1: son yeah ron wolf's
0: son he worked uh for the packers he worked for the browns when um glenn dorsey was there Uh, john dorsey excuse me was there and then um now he's with the patriots so we got all these names here yeah you have any ideas for who you may like amongst these names being that i don't know a whole lot about these dudes generally right. or, or, what, I mean, or what do you care what you're looking for in a gm beyond the you know analytics tropes that you want to throw out there about process oriented you know trust the process do process this do that oriented. or just how you would contrast it maybe vis-a-vis how things have operated in the past um like right. who, who do you what sort of mentality do you want this person to have coming into a situation again <laughs> where i think you can go one of two directions you can kind of Double down-ish, or you could do some very painful restructuring going forward. Right,
1: right. And I think I think the deep, dark cut needs to happen for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think they've necessarily bottomed out yet, especially with Kirk Cousins' contract, especially with that contract still being on the books. So I would love to see like a multi-year thought process going into this. And it comes down to this question of like, how do we actually evaluate successful GMs? Success you know, like in a regime. There's like obviously you know the most successful that we've seen basically in the past 20 years has been what Bill Belichick uh, is probably you know the the one guy to look at I think a few others uh, that I think maybe have had some success you know Kevin Colbert who's going to retire it sounds like at the end of this year uh, for Pittsburgh has been there in quite some time and then it was it was kind of really Rick Spielman uh, right in a lot of ways really successful people thought uh, you know his drafting ability and those sorts of things. Um, were the mainstays and reasons for why he should continue on and being a GM. But I think that evaluation of a GM is probably missing in a lot of ways. I do think people want to use uh, this idea of like win loss record, playoff record, how they performed, you know, in like a points for versus points against mentality. But there's no real solid metrics-based approach to evaluating GMs, and I think that is maybe uh, one of the first problems. So I would honestly look for somebody that uh, is maybe capable of actually articulating what that success should look like uh, and how they would even evaluate and judge being successful in that particular role, and I do think that uh, would glean a lot into That, you know, analytics trope that you talked about being process oriented more than anything else, being able to actually evaluate your own successes and failures in this particular position is something that I do think I would like to see from a strong candidate in a lot of ways. Uh, And outside of that, you know, like the Ringer article kind of talked about this as well, uh, but there's really only two feeder systems for general managers right now, right? There's basically like the player personnel approach, and then there's more of the cap specialty approach. Uh, And what that article found is that, you know, it seems like the cap specialty, the guys that can actually navigate the salary cap uh, are a lot more beneficial long term to an organization's success than a guy that, you know, is basically what we would describe as almost pitching darts, uh, throwing darts and hitting on certain draft classes. So I'd much rather have a guy that I think is key and can negotiate and handle uh, the cap situation uh, more so than a guy that people think has like a keen eye for evaluating player talent right because I do think that is much more of a hit or miss proposition uh, than the guy that can actually navigate the snap so navigate the cap, so I would kind of look more towards that direction, thankfully uh, the Vikings definitely want to uh, it seems like poach some sort of talent from these organizations that we would consider really well run, they got two guy, two people basically coming in from the Eagles, two people from uh, the Browns, the Titans, the Chiefs the Buccaneers, uh, they're all kind of represented, the Patriots of course with Elliot Wolf as well, so um, I do think leaning more so in the cap direct, the cap guys direction if you bring in somebody like that in Uh, is the approach that I would like to see. So I do think, you know, Catherine Reich, like you said, uh, is really interesting, kind of has done it all, isn't necessarily just, uh, you know, a scout or player personnel type person. I do think she has uh, kind of a really interesting background, probably not, uh, you know, the quote unquote, uh, not necessarily even like the perfect resume for a GM, but maybe isn't like, uh, you know, shoehorned into always going to be the person that is going to be a GM. A guy like Elliot Wolf uh, is probably somebody that I would, think more fits along that line. So that's the reason why, you know, outside of a number of other, other things, maybe not necessarily buying into the Patriots way, being all that successful, he's a guy that I'm not really that interested in. So I do think, like, Catherine uh, definitely has um, quite a bit of appeal in my eyes. Also a guy like Kwasi, Adufa, uh, Mensah as well, has kind of an intriguing background. I know you talked about this a little bit, um, you know, on Twitter and some other places when that Ringer article did come out, but uh, having people... From varying backgrounds, I do think is uh, the best way to kind of have a process-based outcome that is going to be successful long-term is if you're getting some of these outside thoughts and ideas in place. I do think that quasi-adufa mensa also brings that to the table more so than a lot of these other candidates. So I like those two quite a bit. Uh, A couple of them I'm not all that familiar with. Of course, you know, for the majority – for the most of them I haven't been all that familiar with outside of a couple days ago. I'm not necessarily this, you know – uh GM guy that can you know evaluate how successful they've even been in their current roles, even you know what really quantifies and makes up for a successful gm but uh just my initial thoughts i do think those are the two candidates that uh jump out to me the most And i do think that relationship with an actual forward-thinking analytics-based head coach is definitely uh the only way that the vikings are ever ever going to compete for a championship in my opinion but i don't know what what are your thoughts on how you'd actually evaluate uh you know what even goes into being a successful gm
0: yeah yeah i mean i think you mentioned the article from the ringer so the gentleman that they interviewed there, Mike Ford, who runs a company called Sportsology, which advised multiple NFL teams on how to structure their organizations. He was also dubbed the NBA Kingmaker because of his influence in basketball. He's a former executive for the Chelsea Football Club. So I think what he said, the main point of what the main thrust of what he said is that there are a couple of different inefficiencies. One, that they don't have a lot of time in this cycle. And right. the second thing which I thought falls into line for some of these guys is this uh, is the other is the owner's default strategy. Is to look at teams that went to the went to Super Bowls and try to hire that general manager's number two. So right. again, we don't. I don't know a lot about these guys who were on the list here. Like I don't know Ryan Poles with the Chiefs whether he's he's doing great or not. I don't know about John Spytek with the Buccaneers. You know whether he's really that great a guy uh, there. Uh, the Titans have been successful. They haven't gone to a Super Bowl, obviously, but I, I, but Monty's been around a, a bit longer there. But especially when you talk about the Chiefs and the Bucks, like. Have they done any, like, sustainable kind of process-oriented type of stuff that's going to get you to a Super Bowl beyond saying, you know, hire Andy Reid and draft Patrick Mahomes and fill around some talent and, boom, you're going to get there for the Chiefs right. and go get Tom Brady in free free agency if for right. the Bucks and nail your picks, basically. So, again, right. th- th- those those to me smell a lot like – let's just get some of that magic dust sprinkled over in our front office that they've been sprinkling over there, and we'll see, we'll see how it works. And again, but I, I was encouraged, like you mentioned, by the guys coming the Browns and the Eagles. So right. um, well, let's, let's get right into diagnosing some of this stuff here because um, I'm looking at our friend uh, Jason Fitzgerald at Over the Cap, his site Over the Cap, where you can do some calculations on here what we can do with these guys. So let's talk about Kirk Cousins. Like, how are we going to get out of this? I think you can go one of two ways here. If you're trying to trade him straight up, it's a $35 million salary someone is going to have to take. You're going to take a $10 million cap hit if you, if, you, if, you, yeah. if you trade him, which you're very willing to accept at this point <laughs> if, if you're right. getting out. The question is, where do you move that lever On how much salary you're willing to eat here to get rid of him, because if you you're probably going to have to lower that at least by 10 million, I think, for someone to take it. At least, so So. it could be it could be 15 million, it could be 20 million. Like, is that something that you'd be willing to do? And if you do that, then you start looking at other guys that you got on here. Uh, Daniel Hunter, you have on here for. A Pretty d- d- substantial 26 hit, right? 26 million, million dollar yeah, cap yeah. hit where again if you can trade him maybe you're still going to take 11 million in dead money you're going to save 14 million if you wanted to do something like a 28 year old because he's not going to be around he's not going to be worth it right. by the time you're back competing again you have uh, Eric Kendricks who has a 13 million dollar cap hit here he's 30 years old um I don't think he's been very good <laughs> this year. Right, but you tell me right. hey, you watch him a little bit more closely. His numbers have at least fallen off some. So right. again, if you want to cut him, you can save seven million and you're gonna lose five million. So the problem here is like even if you get rid of Harrison Smith, thirty three years old, right? They just uh, and they
1: just re upped him, you know, before yes. this season, they right? Just like, re-upped it's just him. Insane. They just, they just re upped him. Absolutely just
0: insane. So Anthony Barr, but that's all... He, he, He's coming he, off
1: the books, thankfully. Yeah,
0: so that, that, that's just... He has dead money that's just on there, I think, from some um, void years. So, uh, the point is, there's no clean cuts on this roster. Right. It's a roster that has, I think, somewhere close to 150 million tied up in its top eight, nine players from a 220 right. million cap. So, if you're taking money with Cousins... I don't understand. I don't see how you get out of this without fire sailing getting very little in return in means of trade compensation because these guys are again like they're you know you're talking about 28 year old being the youngest guy. You just signed Davin Tomlinson too, so you probably keep you probably I think you have to keep him because it's just cost prohibitive to think about getting rid of someone like that. So you're gonna have a bare bones roster. You're gonna have you're going to be setting records in the amount of dead cap that you're taking right? and you're not going to get much trade value back in return. So I don't know. The more I start to think about it, like, is it possible that you could just try to get through one more year with this core and help every hope everything works? Is it really feasible to say we're going to have 60 million in dead money or something like that this season?
1: Right. And I guess I don't hate running it back one more year. Right. But then like, what's the expectation? What's the ceiling? Right. Like, what what's one more wild card playoff exit going to get you, right? The yeah, but what's what's that? Yeah, so like that's not going to get you all that far. And that was the problem with the Kirk Cousins experiment, probably that we saw, you know, after his first extension, there was just no way they were actually ever going to be able to get to the Super Bowl. So, then what what is success, right? And if, if if success is a first round playoff exit, then that's something that I want no part of. I'd much rather just make it hurt. I'd much rather just bring on more pain. Get rid of Kirk Cousins, even if I have to eat half of his 45 million contract, right? 22.5 million. If that gets him out the door next year, I'm willing to take that if I can get a top three uh draft pick basically coming up here in 2023. That's my approach now, right? Cause we because they've tried everything else. They've tried uh, you know, putting a band-aid over things, they've tried bringing in the free agent quarterback in an aging roster, and it just hasn't worked. So adding to that aging roster, instead of actually making some of these difficult decisions and making some of these cuts and turning the pace. Uh is just a spot that like I don't think the Vikings need to be in any longer because it's not gonna work out for them if they ever actually want to win a Super Bowl, which my question is is do they actually even want to win a okay. Super Bowl? And let I don't me, know if I can me, answer that question. Let right me now. try
0: and sell you a little bit on, on okay. running it back okay. for one more year. Because the more I've been thinking about it, the more I think maybe it's 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 the way to go. So first off, the problem that they've had the last few years is they keep digging. They 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 they're digging. They just keep on digging, right? Right. So first thing is, first solution is stop digging. Okay, you don't have to necessarily start filling up the hole and and you know tossing out value, uh, dead money left and right here. But stop digging. Okay, stop. So don't sign anyone. Don't sign anyone new. Right. Don't Don't extend anyone. Don't restructure (laughs) anyone. Get under the cap. And then set yourself up in 2023 because what's going to happen in 2023 – again, I just don't think you're going to get trade compensation if you try to get out of some of these these contracts. So 2023, Kirk Cousins is off the books. You're going to get maybe some sort of comp pick for him when he goes and signs. Right, third or fourth like round
1: or something. Yeah, right so,
0: so he's off the books. Uh, Kendricks, he flips to – if you cut him, he flips to having $6 million of dead money to only having two million of dead money, uh, Harrison Smith he flips to having like eight million of dead money. To well, like, geez, he still has five. Yeah, he still, of still, money. He still has okay. quite a bit for a thirty-five-year-old safety. So. Okay, okay, but listen further. Adam Thielen, you know, he flips from having eleven million of dead money to 6 million of dead money. So I guess my larger point is like I feel like that could really be the year. You have no quarterback plan. You have nothing. You got uh, the when when Kellen Mond walks in the room it makes Zimmer want to throw up just the just seeing him, okay? <laughs> Just his <laughs> present, okay? It's like it's it's like a guy who stepped in in dog shit, okay? Just like they right, right. just it tracking. It just smells him. awful. Right? <laughs> so like, so you, you have Sean Mannion, okay? You you got nothing. So like you made your bed, you've been digging. It's time to take the shovel away. Take the shovel away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sign some dudes to one year type of deals. And, and, and you know, and and make some strategic cuts and signings, and then 2023 you flush it all out. The problem with that, of course, is like you're probably not going to have any success even on a limited basis until 2024 at the earliest. Not
1: yeah, earliest right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you're with bringing guys 35. in
0: now, so you like your GM and coach situation is gonna have to be like hey, you know, are gonna have this uh, uh, you know. Uh, um, you're going to have this, like, lame duck season now. Then you're going to have a, re- a flush it and rebuild season next year. M- you so, might not be able to track the most talent with that with that sort of, of thing, <laughs> despite the fact that I think that's a little bit overplayed angle because there are only 32 coaching jobs in the NFL, so somebody's going to jump at it who's probably decently qualified.
1: Right, so you're saying that the Vikings are hiring David Culley this year, and then hopefully <laughs> Dan Campbell next year is basically Cully would right? be insane <laughs> because
0: I think that would probably offset the money that he's getting for free. Oh, uh, yeah, um, so he's not doing that whatsoever. So he's probably but, not doing it, but well, well, let's talk just, coaches real fast here because I think it's also interesting because I think Doug Peterson's name has been in there, Lane Kiffin. Like Given's name has been – So I don't think – the, I think the late That was, Kiffin, that was Brad, died, by the way. That was Brad yeah, Spielberg. Was, you can't that trust that guy. guy. <laughs> you can't trust that guy.
1: I love Brad, but, yeah, that one was – I think that's, that was – PFF. You uh, can't trust PFF. Uh,
0: Nathaniel Hackett PFF. in you – know, I, I didn't even know this so they guy existed. Yet. I didn't even know this guy existed. Right, so they, I, mean, I knew he existed, of course. But he's kind of come out of nowhere as being a popular right. thing. Eric Bieniemy's name's thrown in there just because, like, every year we want to talk about why he didn't get hired, I guess. So he's thrown in there. But what's interesting to me about guys like Peterson and even bien to a fact is, like, their stock, I feel like, has fallen a little bit from the fact that you have this whole, like, everyone's Kubiak, everyone's Kubiak-Shanahan, Kubiak-Shanahan. Like, Peterson is clearly not that. So is he even an attractive guy to bring into some of these places where Kirk Cousins has been playing well in this diametrically different system? Anyway, so what what, what about coach? Like, who are you going to get to come in for this?
1: Right. So the Vikings don't have any scheduled interviews right now. Obviously, they're trying to take care of the GM search first. That's going to be a big influence on who they actually hire at the. Do you like uh, that by the way? Do you like going
0: GM and then coach? The Browns last year went flipped it, because right. Like, I don't know. Do you think you get more alignment or less? I think you might get more alignment if you go coach, GM, just knowing that the coach is going to so? be more of the man. The coach is going to be well, more Well, yeah, of the so
1: man. how – yeah, what What? what angle? Because I do think that in a lot of ways, you know, Zimmer's Zimmer and Spielman, that relationship, like Spielman was probably more so the man than what we would even, like, see from a front-facing, yeah. uh, you know, public viewpoint. So I do think the approach of the Vikings has been to kind of have that GM in place, and then mold the coach around him in a lot of scenarios. So if that works for him, uh, you know that's great. I I personally do think that the correct play is to go GM first, get that set, make sure that you're aligned with you know everything that you want to be aligned with at that position, and then get a head coach that fits in with the GM. Uh, that's kind of what I like. I mean, obviously, uh, you know a guy that has been talked about a lot recently for an offense coordinator, Mike McDaniel, I do think would be. Uh, you know, pretty decent at least guy to the kick guy the looks tires like he on, should right?
0: Be sitting at a poker table for like—that's uh, what I love, him, right? I mean, be... hours, you know, like a poker stars <laughs> hat grind, or something. He'd be like, "Dan, out. Mike McDaniel has made the final table, everybody!" Right? Um, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought that clip so that was shared of him about like. The, tossing the ball and it was just like this, this shit is that, like, not like it's not that complicated you know like right, <laughs> right, right. it was it's just like people, people just were... loving
1: on him for you know they're just yeah. like eating it up basically right now but yeah I mean we talked about Brian DeBole I do think uh, you know is really intriguing prospect for my uh, uh, coaching prospect from my eyes, Kellen Moore. I do heavily lean uh, towards the offensive minded coach. So I do think, you know, that obviously is the popular approach to take when trying to hire a head coach, but I do still think that is the correct okay. framework with which. to How about this? So. How
0: about this? This is what you sell. Cause you got to sell the coach on something. Cause again, I was thinking about how disgusting the idea is that you're coming in to coach Kirk cousins for one lifeless season and then going into rebuild. I think what you have to we have to sell the coach on right now and maybe you gotta just like bite the bullet even if you're not in love with whoever these prospects are you got to sell them on the fact that you're gonna draft somebody in the first round right. this year right, right. this year right? well this
1: year or next year I mean 2023 is kind of the the quarterback class right obviously there are s- you know, some you can't wait. options. <laughs> this uh, there are some options this year, but there's just nobody. What if at that what high if the Vikings so.
0: go on a run next year and they're like, you know, and then you don't even have a pick that's 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 very far up. Uh, I'm just
1: saying. That's why you got to get rid of Cousins because there's no way they go on a run with Kellen Mund at quarterback. That's that was my thing. So that's why you, you got to like bottom tank. out. Get the tank. I'm on full. I'm on full tank mode. Vikings have never done it properly. I. As much as I want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl, I kind of want to see them tank a little bit more because they've just never okay, done well, it. And if I you're to you really is.
0: need to make sure you have that alignment, because right, right. finger pointing is going to start. It's going to start very really early on don't really when you really don't, when you on, you don't on, have right. that. So, okay, so, that's so, why so they
1: brought in David Culley. That's why they got. I mean, this guy's fine. My my, the street, my
0: theory right? is draft a quarterback in the first round. If you got to draft year? another one next year, do it again. I don't care. Do, right. it, do it. I mean,
1: I would be fine with that too. If they, Sam Hall, if they draft Sam Howell, if they draft Sam Howell in twenty twenty two, somebody else. In one last I'm year on for Kirk
0: Cousins. Um, it'll be like Big Ben send off, except for it'll be Kirk Cousins send off here right. in Minnesota. I mean, you don't want to rob the Vikings fans of knowing this is Kirk Cousins' last game in Minnesota, so they, you know, so standing ovations. They can get the tra- yeah. Kirk Cousins, week standing and. <laughs> renaming the street outside of the of the of the dome and they can everything. put him in the
1: ring of honor while he's still playing in that in that scenario so i don't mind that one quite a bit that'll be right next to randy moss basically put up yeah. Kirk cousins yeah so. and then he can go back to washington or something we'll see. okay
0: so, so okay so you're you're on team tank uh we'll, we'll see tank. what happens as 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 we're moving through i think those are the two options though it's just, it's just a lot of dead money to stomach, which you know, dead money. maybe maybe, maybe it can happen. Maybe it can happen. And I think it's hard for a coach to come in to say that that's, that that's going to be the plan. But maybe right. if they draft a guy. So keep, keep, keep your mock drafts at PFF available. Look for some quarterbacks. Talk yourself into somebody, you know. I think that's probably the way to I'm go. I'm going to go do a mock
1: draft on PFF.com after this, epi- after this episode. I'm going to draft all the quarterbacks, basically. And then we'll see what Kirk Cousins thinks about that. So. Oh,
0: man. You got, a, you got a lot of work. you got work cut out for you, Vikings. So You're whoever right? gets the job there, you know, Godspeed. And uh, hopefully Kirk Cousins, top, you know, PFF top 10 quarterback, will uh, continue to be there going forward. Any, any, any last words of wisdom for the Vikings brass before we, before we kick it off here?
1: No, I mean, I got, I got nothing for you. I, I do agree. Godspeed. It's the only thing that can save us now. So we'll, we'll see how it works out in 2022. But okay. now, dark well, times lie ahead. Dark times yeah, lie ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So looking forward to the least uh, optimistic offseason probably of any NFL franchise this, this offseason this off for the Vikings. <laughs> um, but again, we're always building towards something and uh everyone thank you for tuning in we'll hit another team i don't we'll see maybe i'll go seahawks maybe i'll try to get ben baldwin or someone on here to talk to talk through another team that is trying to get rid of their uh of their quarterback (laughs) trying to get rid of their quarterback he's got a little bit more success they're kirk cousins uh in the offseason otherwise rate review the pod we'll be back at you i guess we'll come back on tuesday we did monday this week but we got the monday night football game so we'll hit you up uh, Tuesday morning for uh, late morning release as a review of all the different games and otherwise enjoy the was it Super Wild Card Weekend? They tried to market that a little died a little bit last year, but enjoy the Super Wild Card Weekend, everybody.